Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you've enjoyed this sermon from our series, Wisdom for Life, a study on Proverbs. For more information about CBC, go to the website, cbcsavannah.com. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you that we can gather this morning uh, and sing old and new songs. Um, I thank you that we can see new faces, that you've brought people here today, maybe their first time, that just need to be uh, encouraged by your love and your grace. I, I don't know where people are, Lord, but I know that you are here in our midst, and I ask that your spirit would fall fresh on every single person in this room, in the video venue, as there's teachers going on, as there's meetings going on. Lord, just fill this place with the glory of the Lord. And as we unpack the scriptures and talk about your will and your desire and planning, please help me to speak clearly, Lord. Take away from my notes, add to them anything. This is your church, they are your people. I am one of them. Uh, and so just use me to, to build your church, Lord Jesus. It's yours that you've purchased with your blood. And so help me so that your name is worshiped and exalted and loved uh, and so that we are more like you. It's for your name, your reputation, I pray this morning. Amen. Thank you. You guys have a seat. Just a few more weeks, y'all, and it won't be 90 degrees, right? We'll have space, Lord willing. One of the jobs I had when I was in college, I was a delivery guy, and I delivered stuff all over Jersey, East Philly, West Philly, North Philly, Delaware. I just kind of had that whole area. East Coast. And we had these things back in the in 90s. I know some of you haven't seen them ever, but they're called maps, all right? And, and so I'd have some address in Northern Jersey, so I would look up. I had five books that were Northern Jersey, and I'd flip in the back, okay, uh, find that street. It's on page 16, and go to 16. It's in column A3, and I'd find, and I'd have to work my way, find a way to get to that place from where I was in West Philly, right? Now, all of those books that I had in my van that covered just those counties and every other country in the world is covered right here. I mean, you tell me your grandmother lives in Oklahoma, give me her address, I'll find her, all right? I'll type it in, word by word, boom, she'll tell me how to get to your granny's house, right? It's beautiful. How all, this would have made my life so easy. It's just great. I was in Target on Friday looking for something. Looking for bandanas, because I wear bandanas to work, because that's how I roll, y'all. I'm just telling you. All right? You don't like it? Go to another church. I'm just telling you, right? But so I, got, I was looking for some new bandanas. I'm like, where are the bandanas? Typed in on my Target app, because yes, I'm man enough to admit that I have the Target app. And I typed it in, my store, enter. Aisle 04. I'm like, beautiful. Where's aisle 04? I got no clue. This store is huge. I hit the button again, it tells me where aisle 04 is. So I'm walking through the store, I find the column, boom, hang, bandanas, beautiful, so easy, right? And I'm thinking about that as I'm thinking about our message for this morning, 
Wouldn't it be great if that's how life was? It was that easy? You got a decision you need to make. You don't know where you're supposed to go. Lord, I want to find my wife. Where is she? She's in aisle 04. You better run. <laughs> oh, there she goes. She's in a pharmacy now. All right. And I, what school? Georgia, Alabama. I, wouldn't that be great? Should I buy the house? Should I not? Siri, should I buy the house? Right? You know, I, wouldn't that be awesome? But the problem is, you know what? There's no app for that. And there is no formula and there is no, quote, spiritual GPS to tell you who you should marry. And so the question we got to ask this morning as we continue to talk about skillful living and wisdom for life is how, of the, how is the people of God, should, do we know what God wants for our lives? What's God's will for your life? How do I know? How do I discover? And what if I miss it? Can I miss it? But what if I make a wrong turn somewhere? What do I do? I mean, how am I supposed to do this thing without my Target app? Right? That's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning as we work through just some Proverbs and, and answer some of these questions. And here's my goal. My goal, if you're looking for the, the formula to find out if you should go to Georgia or Georgia Tech, I don't have it. And you won't find the verse. My goal is not as much to, to tell you how to hear God's voice, but my, my goal ultimately is to get us to be a people of movement. Because I think in the church, we have a bunch of people that are just kind of waiting for God's will, letting go and letting God, and we're doing nothing. We're just sitting around. And, and God's people are supposed to be a people of action, right? That doesn't mean we're all moving to Alaska, but we're supposed to be moving and making decisions and not just sitting around waiting for, you know, some angel to deliver a letter whether you should go to Georgia or not, all right? And so we're going to talk about that. And here's where we're going to start. We're going to establish just kind of two principles right up front and then hopefully give some practical examples of how then we can kind of start seeing where it is God may be directing and leading in our lives, okay? Here's the first principle that we're going to look at uh, as we continue to talk about this. It's, it's, it's real simple. is that God's will is not some secret mystery, okay? It's not some, God doesn't just drop you in the middle of a corn maze in the, at the middle of the night. There's one way out and a bunch of dead ends, and he just kind of sadistically says, go, turns off the lights, boop, right? That, that's not how it works. That God's will for your life is not just tightrope, that you kind of walk on, and if I take one step to the left, or I fall off one step to the right, then I've missed it all, and my life is ruined. Because where that kind of thinking leads, it leads to fear. That's where it leads. What if I miss Mr. Right? What if he's right behind me at the Chick-fil-A, and I don't turn around and say hi? What if I, I had three minutes and Mr. Wright was there and I missed him and now I'm going to get married to that guy and have to move to North Dakota or something, <laughs> right? I, that's fear. That's, that's, not, that's not the way of the Christian, right? It's, it's not the way we're called to live. There's a better way. It's not fear. It's faith. It's faith. Let me give you just a couple of Proverbs. These are just a couple that you need to put in your spiritual arsenal. You need to memorize them. All right? Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Well, he's talking about work there. He's not talking about your job, although that's included. Work means your life, your actions. The, literally, the Hebrew for commit is to roll up. Roll up your life. Roll up your, your everything you are to the Lord. 
right? And trust it to him. It's the heart that says, God, I want to be pleasing to you. God, I want to do your will. God, I just, I just want to go where you want me to go. That's what we're talking about. And the result is your plans will be established. That is the way of faith and not fear, right? And why do we do that? First Peter tells us, look, you can cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's not the sadistic shepherd who drops you in the middle of the maze and laughs as you bump into the walls. He is the God who cares, who wants to establish your plans, who wants to direct you. Here's another famous proverb. Many of you probably know this one. Trust in the Lord. It's all caps because it's the Hebrew word Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That means don't depend on yourself. All right, you're not a self-made anything. You don't just trust in your ability, your heart, because your heart is desperately wicked. In all your ways, acknowledge, literally the word means to know, yada, to know him. In everything you do, don't, it's not tip of the hat. You know him in every area of your life. And then what's the result? He directs your path. This is the way of faith. The problem is not planning. I know some Christians are like anti-planning. You want me to not plan for my sermons? I promise you, you won't like it. I mean, you probably don't like it now, and I do plan. Can you imagine? All right. I'm just going to show up and let God speak. That's not going to go well for me, right? Planning is not a problem. Nehemiah spends months planning. David spends months planning to build a temple that he's not going to get to see. But he gets all the stuff ready so Solomon can kind of just step in. Planning's not the problem. The problem is when we plan apart from God. And here's what we usually do. We make decisions and we do actions. We're going to do all these things. And then we come behind and say, oh, God, I want you to be committed to what I've already done. Instead of commit your ways to the Lord, we say, God, I want you to be committed to me because basically I think I'm God. That's, that's the arrogance of it. But he says, no, the beginning is to trust. It's, it's the way of faith. God, I believe you're good, you're sovereign, that your will is best, that you will establish, that you will make my path straight. Straight does not mean easy, by the way, okay? That doesn't mean easy. Straight doesn't mean you're gonna know everything that happens, because you're not. Rarely do you know how it turns out. Moses doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He just needs to know he needs to get to Egypt quick. Noah doesn't know how it's going to turn out because he's never seen rain. But he knows he's supposed to build a boat, which he's never seen that either, but he's got to do it. So you don't know how, you're not promised to see how it turns out. What you are promised is that he will make your paths straight. And the reason I start here is because I want some of y'all to chill. Some of you are so high, strong, and you're going to make a mistake, and it's going to ruin your life. You, can, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be all stressed out. That's not the way of the follower, right? Okay, so understand God's will is not mystery. Here's the second thing we need to talk about, is we really need to define what we're talking about when we talk about God's will, because let's be honest, that is Christianese 101. That's just Christian talk. God's will for my life, and we're just not according to God's will. We're just praying for God's will. What are you talking about? That's what we want to talk about. What are we talking about? Because guess what? There's no, there's no kind of pray for God's will verse in scripture. You know that? It's not there. So theologians have been helpful here. They're not often, but they're helpful here. And they've broken it kind of when we talk about God's will into three different categories. Okay, so that we understand what we're talking about. Let me kind of unpack these categories real quick. One aspect of God's will is God's will of decree. And what we mean by that is that everything that happens, happens according to God's sovereign will. He's in control of it. He absolutely is sovereign over everything. Spurgeon says this, 
I believe every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. That every particle of spray that dashes against a steamboat has its orbit, as well as the sun in the heavens, that the chafe from the hand of the winnower is steered as the stars, that everything down to your atoms and your nucleus is sovereignly in the control of God's hands. That's the decree of God. And it's throughout the scripture that he says, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purposes. It's the sovereignty of God. Proverbs deals with it. The lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Even the roll of the dice is from the Lord. That many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That Philippians, God is at work in you and to will and work for his good pleasure. Ephesians 1, that he does all things according to the counsel of his will. Even evil, somehow, he is sovereign over. Now, does this cause all sorts of questions and problems? Yes, it does. What's the answer, Bill? I don't know. And I'm not going to know because this is part of the mysterious, secret things of God. Why does God let Job suffer when he's the most righteous man on the earth? I don't know. Why do some of you can't get pregnant even trying and you just want children? I don't know. Why does, why does Jim Elliott die on a beach before he ever gets to share the gospel one time with the very people he was loving on and caring for? I don't know. Sovereignty, free will. I don't know. I, I just don't know these things and neither do you. This is part of the secret kind of sovereignty of God. And maybe you find out some of these answers. Maybe you're like Joseph and you suffer for years. And then finally at the end, you see why, because you're going to save your people. Or maybe you don't find out until heaven. But what we do know is that God works all things together for good for those who love him. That is where we go. That's God's will of decree, okay? So that's one aspect of God's will. That it's kind of this majestic, don't understand it, but we know he's in control. Here's the second aspect. It's God's will of desire. This is a side that you do know, that God has been clear. In fact, he says, this is the will of God. And there's a bunch of these verses in the scripture. Here's one of them. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So you're thinking, who do I marry? Do I marry her? Do I marry her? And you're not going to find that verse. But what you're going to find is stop looking at porn. That's a verse for you. Right? Your sanctification. That you may, you may not know who you're lo- you want to get married, but you know right now you're supposed to be guarding your purity, 16-year-old. Guarding yourself and saving for that person. You know that. The husband, that you're supposed to be a one-woman man. See, that's God's will for your life. You want to know it? There it is. Right? Here's another. A couple chapters later. Rejoice always. You want to know what God's will for your life is? You need to smile and stop being so grumpy. All right? You, you need to pray consistently, right? Not just at meals, right? Not just, not just when it's, you know, the, the church time. That in your car and, and, and all these places, you're just having conversations with God constantly. That you need to give thanks, but I hate my job. Well, so what? Your God's will is for you to be thankful, but you don't know what that person did to me. God's will is for you to be thankful. This is the will of God. See, these are clear. You don't, you don't need to, what's God's will for my life? Should I be thankful for my job or not? Should I be content or not? Should I, should I be joyful or not? When we get to the second half of the singing, rejoice. That's God's will for you. Right? It's, it's very clear. 
Okay, so we know some things, and there's a lot of passages. Ephesians 5, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of God is. Don't get drunk with wine. You're wondering, should I get drunk? Is that God's will for my life? It is not. It is to be filled with the Spirit. And we spend so much time wondering what God's will. God has been clear. We ought to focus all of our energies on the revealed will of God. Guess what? Because that's where Scripture focuses. You're looking, I don't know, should I move to Michigan or Minnesota? There's no verse. John 3, 17, not there. Well, it is there, but it's not that. Okay? <laughs> You're not going to find Michigan, California, right? But, but focus on what God has revealed. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know what college to go to in two years. I'm starting to pray about career. Okay, you may not know, but here's what you do know. Are you honoring your dad and your mom, teenager? Are, are, you, are you sneaking behind their back? Because don't expect the God to come and drop this kind of, I want you to go here, if you're not obeying the very clear revealed will of God right now in your life. So don't expect the further if you're not doing this. All right, should I take this job or should I take that job? Well, I don't know, but how are you working at this job? Are you doing a good job? You being faithful there? You're working heartily as for the Lord rather than men? Well, I hate it. It's not the question. The question is, how are you in the, because God cares more who you are than where you are. If you are who you should be, he'll take you where. That's why we focus on the revealed word of God. Rejoice now. Right? And don't expect some further revelation if you're not going to do what God is showing you now. Right? So that's God's will of, of desire. He made it clear. And what we're usually talking about is God's will of direction. When we're usually talking about hey, God's will for my life, we're asking a question, Michigan, Minnesota. Jennifer, or should I marry Jennifer or should I marry Susan? Look, if you've got two girls you could potentially marry, you don't marry nobody. All right? <laughs> you need to come in for some counseling right here. Okay? <laughs> Don't marry a guy that's got two girls. Just, I'm just telling you right now. Um, so, but here, here's what's interesting in Scripture. And this should be affirming to you guys. Never once are you commanded to go search for God's will for your life. There's no verse. Go find God's will for your life. You don't see Paul. What's God's will for my life? Right? You don't see Nehemiah. What's God's will for my life? You don't see David. What's God's will for my life? What you see is movement and trust and obedience and being anxious for nothing, and walking by faith and not sight, and doing all things for the glory of God. Here's the problem for us in the church, y'all. You've been told since you were three years old, if you've been in the church, that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And if, if you make one wrong move, I mean, your life is basically like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Right? Remember those? All right, great. So you go, oh, I got a decision to make. If I want to make this decision, I turn left and I go to page 37. If I want to make this decision, I turn right and I go to page 93. Oh, I'll go 37. And I get there and there's a bear and I get eaten. <laughs> I chose this job, bear. I went out with this girl. She's a bear. <laughs> I, 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 I bought this house. There's a bear. I mean, we just live our lives. Oh, no, I should have went right. I should have went left. Uh, and we miss the wonderful plan. We put so much pressure. And we put pressure, y'all, here on amoral decisions. They're, they're, look, if, if there's, this is pretty gal, and she loves Jesus, and this pretty gal over here, and she loves Jesus, that's an amoral decision, which one you ask out. It just is. I know this is going to offend some of you. Georgia, Georgia Tech, that is Amoral. Now, I know the SEC is dominant over the ACC. I get that, okay? But that is an amoral choice. It's not one is, oh, this is spiritual. This is, uns that is an, that's an amoral. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream, three and a half baths, 
three best. Those are amoral decisions and you don't need to stress over them. Right? Does God care about them? Yes, because he cares for you. But God's wonderful plan for your life is because he's in it. And it's not because you, you're going to go to the moon and translate the, the Klingon Bible or something crazy. Right? God's wonderful plan for your life is that he might make you a teacher for 38 years where you influence thousands of kids and love on them. Or you might be a builder who your houses are still around in good shape in 75 years because you did all things for the glory of God. Or maybe you were a policeman who just guarded people's lives and you, you were Romans 13. You were executing the justice of God. That's God. You were a stay-at-home mom who just kind of loved on two kids and they went out and had an impact for the kingdom. That is a wonderful plan because God is in that. So don't go worrying if you fell off or I should have turned right and I should have talked to Mr. Right. Right? I, I, I should have married this guy. Look, by the way, if you were married today, that God's will for your life is for you to be married to that person. But this is my fourth marriage and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. This is now God's will for your life to you to be married and committed to this relationship. Even if you messed up a bunch of others, this is it. So you love that woman like Christ loves the church, that you respect that, that man like, like the church respects her savior, right? That's God's will for your life right now. But don't go looking for some uh, you know, majestic path through everything. Are there big decisions in life? Yes. But you don't have to stress. You're going to miss something. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, right? You don't have to worry because you're his. Worry more about who you are than where you are. If you are who you need to be, God will get you where you need to be. I promise you, okay? So just kind of establish those things right up front. Hopefully that kind of lets some of you take a breath and you're like, Phew. man, I was thinking I was going to do this wrong. I was going to choose the wrong major and I was going to end up somewhere in North Dakota. You might end up in North Dakota, but it'll be a good thing if you do, okay? I don't know how, but it will be. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's talk about that third, that third God's will of direction, because that's where we live, right? And I know some of y'all, you're going off to college next year. You don't know which one. Some of you got to choose a major. Some of you, you're going to get a job. Some of you are thinking, I want to get married. Some of you are asking, should we have another kid? There's decisions, and I get that. There constantly are. So let's talk a little bit about how then do we move, because we want movement. We don't want stagnant. We want movement. All right. Let me just give you a couple, you know, principles that we can work through. And again, it's not a formula, but these are just some practical things for us. Here's the first one. When we're seeking direction, be cautious because there's a lot of junk out there. There's just a lot of trash. And there's a lot of books written on God's will for your life. Best one I've seen, I read it this week, Kevin DeYoung's Just Do Something. 130 pages, it's worth your three hours. And that's about all it'll take you. Okay, Kevin DeYoung's Just Do Something, right? Um, if you want the big one, there's a guy that wrote a 500-pager that... You can go have that. I'll take the 130, all right? But that's just me. But here's the thing. You can hear all sorts of, here's how God's will is determined. Throw out a fleece, all right? Just throw a fleece like Gideon did. And that's a story from Gideon. For those who are familiar with the Bible, Gideon already knows God's will for his life because God has told him like five times, but he doesn't believe him. So he says, God, if you really want me to do this, I'm gonna put this wool fleece in the ground, make the fleece wet, make the grass dry, and I'll know that you want me to do it. God does it. And then he's like, oh man, that could have just happened because it's humid out. Well, God, let's switch it up tonight, make the, make the grass wet, make the fleece dry. It happens again. And so people say, hey, that's the way to determine God's will. Just kind of throw a fleece out. Here's the problem. The same problem Gideon had. He didn't know if it was God or just nature. So if you're like, oh, God, if you want me to have this job, have them call within 20 minutes. <laughs> what happens if they call in 23? Oh, one God's will. Really? Or maybe their watch is just three minutes off. 
How do you know? That's the point. You don't. So it's not a great way. Can God use it? Yeah, he, he can, but it's not normative. Visions and dreams. Can God use visions? You read, you read what's going on in the Middle East, read what's going on in China, you hear God doing amazing things. But it's just not normative. I had a dream this week that I was Fred Davis's, one of our elders' caddies. I was going to caddy for him. Does that mean I should just drop my job and go off on the tour? He's not even on the tour. I mean, what does that mean? Just because you had a dream that your kid was playing baseball doesn't mean they're the next Hank Aaron. It just doesn't. How do you know? Right? Casting lots or flipping coins. You know, should I date her or not? Marry her or not? Heads or tails? Oh, man. Oh, sorry. Right? Is it, is it 50 50? I mean, it's just not a good way. Right? Here's another one you constantly hear in the church. Well, just open the door, Lord. Open the door. Right? And look, God opens the door for the word that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, Colossians 4. And there's nothing wrong with having open doors that we go through because God does it. But here's the problem. What happens if you have more than one? What if there's two job offers? What if you're like me, you got into four colleges, which is a miracle in itself? <laughs> None of them were any good, mind you, but you know. But what, I got into four. Is there open doors? Which one? How do I know? Right? I, you know, I, oh, closed. I was supposed to call and apologize, but I called and it was busy. So God closed that door. Really? Or maybe she just was on the phone? Is that a closed door? See, see, that's the problem, right? Jonah has an open door to get on a ship to Tarshish, and he's headed the exact wrong direction. So open door doesn't mean good or bad for that matter. Maybe some of y'all, you're like, oh, I sent my resume out and I haven't got any calls yet. Maybe the open door is for, it needs to be opened by you because you're going to go knock on it and bang on it and make some phone calls. So it's not that God doesn't open doors, but just this is not the, this is not just, just because it's open doesn't mean it's good, is the point, all right? All right, and, and real quick, here's another thing to be cautious of. Don't use God as your scapegoat, right? You know, we, we, we constantly use language, God told me to do something. You better be very careful when you use the language, God told me to do something. Because if you're wrong, you've just broken the second commandment, which is don't take God's name in vain. That has nothing to do with cussing. has everything to do with using God as your heavy when he's not the heavy in that situation. Well, you know, sorry, I can't go on another date with you. Just God told me no. Some of y'all been dumped by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? Can't give any money to your ministry. God just told me no. Well, how do I, how do I argue with that? It's just, it's just above criticism. Well, God told me to go. Well, we got to go, right? Better to say something like, I've been praying and it seems to me that God is leading me in this direction. That's much healthier because that leaves some room that you might be wrong, right? Unless you had some vision and Gabriel came down and told you, I would not use that language, all right? So those are some areas of caution. Here's some areas to kind of, kind of be positive with, okay? First one is Christ. And what I mean simply by that is, instead of seeking God's will, seek the person of Jesus Christ. Because God's will is never separate from himself. It's not some different deal. It'll be discovered as you walk in intimacy with him. Let me read Proverbs 2 real quick. I don't have a slide for it. But let me just read the first five verses. Listen to it. And then I do have verse 6. Solomon says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... 
If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge. And look at verse 6. Why? For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge. Understand what he's saying. Seek it and, and pursue it and value it and love wisdom. And he's saying, cry out for it. Where does it come from? From the person of God, from his mouth. It is in the context of relationship. So if you want to know what God is doing over here, pursue God. Don't pursue what he's doing because then you'll know he will lead you in that. Right? Psalm 37, written by David. I've been reading a lot about David just this morning in my quiet time. David was a knucklehead. I mean, he did some really dumb things. So why is he a man after God's own heart? Because he just kept going after God. He just kept pursuing God, even though he was an idiot sometimes. And here's what he says in Psalm 37. Delight yourselves in God, in the Lord. And what is the result? He gives you the desires of your heart. Not that, that he gives you everything you want. When you're delighting in him, he makes your desires his desires. The New Testament, we see it again. Matthew 6, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. This is you working on you and worrying God, worrying, letting God deal with the where. You work about who you are. Pursue righteousness. Pursue holiness. And then all these things will be added. The next verse, 34, says you don't need to worry about life, where you're going to live, where you're going to eat, where you're going to wear. God's got these things. You seek first the kingdom. You pursue Christ. You desire him. You cultivate your relationship with him. That's movement for some of y'all. That, that's what he's asking you to do. Yeah, there, should, there ought to be, just real practical, there ought to be prayer. Right? There should be a pursuit of God. People who delight in the Lord pray. People who are committing their way to the Lord to be established spend time in prayer. And look, you need to plan to pray because prayer is difficult. Sometimes you need to utilize your commute. Turn off Sean Hannity and start praying. I mean, that, it's, it's just a practical thing. Have a conversation. Here's, here, maybe some of you this week, take one day, one lunch hour a week, and just go on a prayer walk. I mean, think about that. You're like, wow, that, you know, I need the exercise anyway. Good. But get out and just walk on lunch and pray. Spend some time sitting at the end of your kid's bed, praying with them. Pray with your spouse. Commit a couple times a week, if not every day. We're going to pray. Like, you got a decision, you better, if, you, if you're going to commit it to the Lord, you, gotta, you better pray. You're not going to be trusting in the Lord if you're just going to make it. Nehemiah spends how many months praying before he has to go? Uh, and before the king? Several. Five, six. Right? Jesus, the night before he chooses the 12 disciples, does what? Praise. So you, you, you don't know what school to go to? Pray. You want to know which girl to ask out? Pray. You want to know she career change? Pray. You want to know you should rent by? Pray. Spend time in prayer. Spend time seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit. The, the New Testament assumes that the Holy Spirit speaks. Hebrews 3. Today, he's quoting Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, whose voice? The Holy Spirit. Don't harden your heart. The Holy Spirit still speaks. And, in, and you go to the end of that kind of portion, Hebrews 4. He says, here's how he speaks. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus Christ still speaks today, y'all. He does it by his spirit, through his word. 
So you want to know what God's will for you is? Start reading scripture. Now, again, don't look for Sally versus Joni, Michigan versus Minnesota. But what happens is you delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you his desires. When you renew your mind with scripture, when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2, you'll know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's just part of being with God, right? So some of you maybe, you have, let's be honest, you haven't read the scriptures in a while. You need to set apart some time. Start with Psalm 1 this week. Read through it a couple times. Meditate on it. Think about it, right? So God can speak to you and press things upon your heart, right? Give you his desires. Let me tell you how this worked for us as a church. So two and a half, three years ago, we're like this. And I, think, I don't know how many services we were there. It all blurs together now. Well, you know, it's kind of just a blur. But we were crowded and we're like, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? We've got to do something. But we knew, we, we searched the scriptures. Okay, what, what are we supposed to do as elders? Fowler, you're supposed to teach. Got that. All right, we're supposed to shepherd. We're supposed to elder. We're supposed to put people in places so they can have community and relationships. Okay, got that. We got the big picture. But where are we supposed to do it? Because this place is hot and crowded. So what do you want us to do? So we're talking because this building was given to us. So we go, we talk to several churches. Man, I'm over here at this church. They didn't want anything to do with us. I'm like, all right, you know, we're Calvinists. Oh, oh, sorry. You know, we go over here. I go over here and go over to this church over here. We met with one church five times. Big church could help a thousand people. We're like, we can go to one service. Met with them hours and hours. We're still praying. We're still searching scripture. We're, st- we're trying to be obedient. And, and something happened in that context where God just kind of put on our elders' hearts. You need to be in this neighborhood. I love South Garden's neighborhood. Right? That's where I want y'all. And so we just kind of said, we pulled back from all these kind of looking at, and we said, all right, God wants us here. What does that look like? Can we build? And we started doing that. And look, y'all, I mean, I know it's been a long process. I don't really remember much of it. I just know in two to three weeks, there's a building back there. We're going to be in it. And I don't really, it's kind of a blur. But I know it started by just delighting in the Lord. He gave us his desires, and here we are. That's kind of how it works. There was no angel sent to the elders meeting, oh, by the way, build a building. We just kind of went in the process and kind of got it kind of steered. Just from delighting, that was movement for us. Right? Just, if you guys would just pursue Lord Jesus Christ in your lives outside of these walls, I'm telling you, he will get you where he wants you to go. Will it be easy? I promise you it won't always. I promise you it won't. But it'll be good, and he will establish your ways. Here's the next one. Be cautious, Christ, and, and seek counsel. Any big or little decision that you make, should, you should ask questions to people. Right? And the Proverbs is clear. Without counsel, plans fail. You need me to exegete that one for you? I think it's pretty clear. Many advisors, they succeed. 2018, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. The idea is you need community, you need people to tell you the truth. If you're a husband and you think, oh, we're supposed to go do this, and your wife has major red flags, you better be very careful because God has given her as your helper and as your helpmate to make you adequate. And if she's got major red flags and it's for legitimate reasons... I would, woo, I'd pull back on that. I'm just telling you, right? 
because God is doing something there. That's counsel. I, every major decision, I, I don't make money decisions or all these things directional without talking to my wife. She is my number one counsel. I also have just making decisions in life. I got some decisions what me and my wife are making right now. I got two buddies. I go to them. I'm like, okay, here's what's going on. What do you think? Do you know my heart? What, do you, what is your advice? And I listen because I don't know, right? That, that, if you're a teenager, I know you think you know it all. I know you look at those two people in your house and you're like, you want me to listen to the guy with the dad bod? I'm never going to look like that. I promise you will. (laughs) Until it happens, I don't know, you wake up and you're like, whoa. Right? But you know what? No one knows you like your parents. No one loves you like your parents besides Christ. they They got wisdom. They don't want to change your diapers and your drawers when you were middle of the night. They sacrifice a lot for you. They know you. Listen. Right? You want to start your own business? Great. Go ask a guy that did something similar. Go read a great book on that topic. Thinking about getting out of debt? Go to this guy. Hey, how did you guys do it? We're going to move to the next level. We've been kind of dating or courting or whatever the cool word is these days. I don't know. But whatever you're doing and you want to take it to the next level, go talk to a couple that just got married. You think about going back to work? Go talk. Look, seek counsel. Come to the elders. We'll give you counsel if, if we can help in any way. But don't do, go in alone, right? It, it, just don't do it. And look, if you got, you asking questions and these 10 people are telling you, she's no good for you, man. She's no good for you, man. She's no good for you, man. And all 10 of them are saying that and you're like, no, man, she's, she's my match. You better listen to them. I'm telling you. I know you're blinded by love, but you need to listen. You got five guys, businessmen saying, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you have a good plan. I don't think you have a good team. Yeah, man, we're going to do it. We're going to you know, go on Shark Tank and everything. I listen. Listen to what these guys are saying, right? Listen to counsel. God uses spirit-filled people to give spiritual advice. Right, here's the next thing. Common sense. Right? You have been made in the image of God who is rational and thinks. He's given you a mind. Use it. Just use, use it. And when we're talking about lean not on your own understanding, it doesn't mean don't think. It just means don't trust that you're going to know it all. Trust in the Lord to direct it, not for you to control it. Titus 2, I love it. He says, grace appeared. It brought salvation. It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and it trains us to do what? To live self-control. This Greek word, sophronos, it doesn't just mean self-control in the aspect of, like, control myself. It means sensibility. It means prudence. It means soberness. That grace teaches you to live sensibly, right? That grace is a, is a teacher. That the Holy Spirit is a, is a teacher, and that you can use your mind that God has given you because he, he, it's, he, he's done to ask you to check it at the door, right? So ask yourself the question. I mean, is, is common sense. Look, if this cost $500 and you have $0, <laughs> common sense says, I don't buy it, right? I know you're thinking, oh, pay it off. It's zero interest till 2027, right? You don't have it. It's common sense. If someone says, I want you to get involved with this ministry and take over this committee and your plate is already full and overflowing? Common sense, y'all. You put one more thing on, you do not, it all falls off. 
Now, if you're willing to take one thing off and then you fit it in there, that's fine. But some of you, just common sense, you need to know the size of your plate. Some of y'all got big old platters. It's like you're a Christian on steroids plate. Some of you have a little dinner roll plate, and that's fine too. But just, that's common sense. Uh, you got this job, I got this promotion, and I can go take this job, but my family's a wreck and my kids are a mess, but this job is going to require me to be away 25 weeks a year and never be with my family. Common sense, y'all. Right? This, this position, it's a $5,000 raise, but I'm going to miss three out of four Sundays. And there ain't no Saturday night service in a couple weeks. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, you're going to be missing your time with the people of God. I know some of you doctors, cops, student, you know, PAs and all that stuff, and sometimes you got to work, but you're, you got to get to be at church 11 times a year. And you think that's going to go well for you spiritually? I'm just telling you. Common sense, right? Use your brain. Right? You want to adopt three kids. You have two and they're a mess already and your wife is overburdened? Common sense. Right? It's common sense. Okay? Don't make hasty decisions. The proverb says, plans of the diligent lead to abundance. Everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. Quick decisions, quick relationships, quick investments, quick purchases. You pay for it. And I know sometimes it's Friday we got to make a decision as a company. I get that. But I'm talking like you always got to do it right now. No, 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 no. Better be wise. If, if they're forcing you, hey, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to seek counsel. I don't have time to sit and read the scriptures. All right? Common sense. And then here's the last thing is make a choice. Make a call. Go with it. You've prayed. You sought counsel. You've read the scripture. You've talked to other people. You've thought about it. You've meditated on it. At some point, you got to move, y'all. At some point, unless God is saying clearly, wait, you got to make a decision. Right? You got to make a choice. You got to jump. You say, what if I mess up? What if I, what if I fail? What if I make the wrong choice? You probably will sometimes. The beauty of it is if your motives are pure and you're seeking God, he'll get you where you want. How many times did Paul say, I was going there? And God said, uh, and I went over there then, and that was fine. Was, was he sinning trying to go to Greece? Was he sinning trying to go there? No, he's just going, oh, God's kind of steer. Oh, okay. Oh. And God kind of directed him where he wanted as he just kind of walked daily. Right? Nehemiah is just holding wine, sipping a little wine, giving it to him. God gets him to Jerusalem. All Ruth's doing, she's just picking up some wheat. God gives her a husband. Right? So, so you, you know what? You're going to get there. If you, you know, if you fail, so what? I can remember in my life a time where we, my wife and I, we were in seminary, had to find a church to go to. There was like six churches within three miles of our home. Good Bible preaching churches. We visited them all. We prayed. They were all good churches. And was like, which one do we go to? Because this is going to be my income. I'm going to intern here. And I'm going to, which one do we go to? We went to all, we prayed, you know. And finally we landed. We went to a church service and we said, let's join. We got to do something. Let's join. It's a good church. They preach the gospel. It's a growing church. So we joined. I was a Baptist for one day. Praise God, he rescued me out. But I, I was in. <laughs> I walked the aisle. I signed the paper. I met with the pastor. I was teaching the following Sunday in the college ministry. Right? And that Monday, I'm sitting in my very first seminary class. And I just felt, I don't know what, it, just the spirit was just wrong church. Good church, fine church. But it just wasn't where God wanted us. I called the guy up. I went into his office. I said, I know I just joined yesterday. And I'm teaching Sunday. But I'm, 
I'm supposed to go to this church over here. And he said, all right. And so I called the other guy and said, I'm coming. Went to that church, and it was, it was the place God wanted me. I made a wrong choice. God got me where he wanted me to be. He'll, he'll take care of it. Right? If you seek first the kingdom, I just don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to have to be timid. Right? I want you to think you're going to miss something. You, you go hard after Jesus, you're going to miss nothing. I'm just telling you, y'all, don't be afraid. God is preparing good works for us to walk in. You can trust him in it. It'd be, it's gonna, and it's going to be awesome. Maybe you end up in North Dakota. Maybe not. Who knows? But whatever it is, if it's his, it'll be awesome. It'll be hard. It'll be challenging. There'll be ups and downs, but it'll be awesome. Right? We're going to worship in a second. And, and here's, for you, the next thing for you, all of you, God's will for you is to sing because we're going to sing and we're going to rejoice. And First Thessalonians says rejoice always. And we're going to do that old song again. And it's time to sing. It's time to rejoice. Some of you, you know what God is calling you to do and you just need to do it. Right? You just know. Some of you need to set aside time this week that you're going to pray because you, you just, your prayer life is just not where it's supposed to be. That's okay. Some of you, the scripture, you haven't read it. It's time to start searching the scripture. Some of you need to go and you need to ask advice this week from somebody. Right? Maybe some of you just need to have a day of solitude and silence. Whatever it is, don't, don't let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Some of you need to go ask for forgiveness. Some of you need to start trusting God with your finances because you're way out of debt. You need to set a budget. You need to start giving off the top. That's what you need to do starting today. Right? Whatever it is, God knows, and, and he'll get you there if you just trust him. Right? If you just trust him. Here's, here, let me, two things I want to close with. Here's the first one from, from Solomon. I love this. Solomon ends Ecclesiastes. Right? Wisest man who ever lived. He said, here's, here's the end of the matter, y'all. All has been heard. Here, here's God's will for your life. Right? You want to know God's will for your life? Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. There it is. Fear God, which is the beginning of wisdom, and then keep his commandments. You, you spend your life doing that, I promise you, you'll end up where he wants you. Fear God, keep his commandments. Right? Here, let me close this quote with this quote from Kevin DeYoung from his book that I recommended to you. Because I love it. This is how he closes the book. He says, the end of the matter is this. Live for God. Obey the scriptures. Think of others before yourself. Be holy. Love Jesus. And as you do these things, do whatever else you like. With whomever you like. Wherever you like. And you will be walking in the will of God. Let's stand and let's worship. Lord, as we sing and as we obey the will of God to encourage one another, as long as the day is still called the day, by singing, by rejoicing, uh, Lord, when we leave, let us know where you're leading and directing. Lord, and maybe we can't see 10 feet in front of us, but we know what we're supposed to do today. I, I want your people to rest in your goodness and your sovereignty, Lord, even in the hardship of life, because though we are in the valley of the shadow of death, we do not fear, because your rod and your staff, they comfort us that you are sovereign over all, that you are in control of all things and you are trustworthy and we trust you this morning. Lord, guide us, lead us. I know decisions need to be made. Let us rest in your goodness. Let us commit our, our plans, our work to you and you, we trust you'll establish. And I just pray whatever that looks like for each person in this room that they would do so, that they would commit 
their ways, their works to you, and that you would direct their paths. That they would trust in you with all their heart, that they would not lean on their own understanding, and all their ways they would know and acknowledge you, and you would direct their paths. Lead us, Lord. May this song be the prayer of your church that we sing right now, that you would take our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, for you. It's in your name we pray.